0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about you. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Tonight, I'll give you a title right off the bat. It's it's called Believers or Receivers. How many believers do we have in here tonight? Amen. Amen. Well, then you are a receiver. That's what you're designed to do. Our DNA is God's DNA. He's a receiver. He's made us to be receivers. And you say, well, what's the difference between believing and receiving? Well, here's the thing. You know, even the devils believe on Jesus. They believe he's the son of God. That does not make them born again. To become born again, you had to actually do something, didn't you? As a result of the fact that you are a believer, you received Jesus, didn't you? And so, really, what I want to tell you tonight is that that applies in every area of your life. Sometimes we get to the place where we think, that we can't we can't handle this problem, that we can't believe God for this, that we can't receive this, that we can't do do this, that we we can't get our healing, we can't we can't get our financial needs met. We we can't get past this, we can't get past that. But yes, you can, because believers are receivers. And and we found out, you know, I I found out, you know, the hard way after many years of being in church you know, my whole life, how easy it was to get filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, I had been raised in an environment where it was hold on, let go, turn loose, you know, pray, tarry. You know, we had, we had testimonies from people all the time about how long they'd been seeking God for the Holy Ghost and how long they had tarried and, and it sounded like this badge of, you know, honor, you know, somehow that they had put this much effort into it. And when I finally got into a word church and found out that all I had to do was look at exactly what the word said in Acts, it was so easy. It was like, really, are you kidding me? That's all there is to it? Honest goodness? And that's really all there is to it. You receive the Holy Ghost, and then you speak. You receive it. And you speak, and that is what you do in every area of your life. Lots of people believe the Bible. They say, they say I believe the Bible, but they don't have what the Bible says that they have. Why? Because they haven't received it. I heard, I heard Keith Moore just this past Sunday say something, and I went, well, that makes a lot of sense. He was over at Mark 11. Let's go over there real quick. Mark 11, 24, verses that we know really, really well hallelujah Mark 11:24 It says, "Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them." My, he 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 went on to say so anymore. And of course, I have this written in my Bible. I just I just you know sometimes you know you have some notes that you write in the margins, and you and sometimes you don't even look at them really good. They just remind me to go back and look at. It. And sure enough, that word "receive" can also mean take or seize. You have to take them. That's what it means by receiving. It means you take them. You believe that they're mine. I receive their You take ownership of them. If any, if you, you try to give something to anybody. Pastor, I have a mic for you. No, I, that was good. That's exactly what I wanted you to do. See what, he, what his reaction was? He just looked at me. He just looked at me. I have a mic for you. And, you, and he's up there saying, oh, that's nice. She's got a mic for me. I'm going, pastor, I have a mic for you. you now it? I want you to take it. <laughs> he's never going to take possession of it until he reaches out and does something, until he receives it. So many people are going through life with a Bible in their hand, quoting scriptures about what, they, what they, the Bible says that belongs to them, and they never take them. Yeah, you, gotta take it. you have to Take them. In fact, one of that one of those those definitions of receive is seize. You know why? Because it belongs to you. It belongs to you already. God's already given it to you. It it's not something you have to work for. It's not something you have to strive for. It's not something you have to get yourself worthy of. It's not something you have to, you have to turn in somersaults or, or do any pirouettes or, or, you know, jump through hoops. You don't have to do it. You just take them. Yeah. You just receive them. Amen. It's a shame that we go through life not experiencing all the benefits that God has for us because we never took them. I'm reminded of the story about the man back when, uh, transatlantic travel was strictly done by boat. And, and this man was leaving Europe, coming to America. And so he, he, he bought his, he bought his passage ticket and he thought, well, I've only got money just for my ticket. And... And so I'm going to, I'm going to pack me some food and the voyage is going to be, uh, you know, several days, you know, I think it was like 10 day crossing, something like that. I'm going to, I'm going to pack some food and, 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 and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ration it all out. So I've got enough for the whole 10 days. And, and, and so he did that. And as he's getting off the boat, one of the stewards said to him, said, Mr. Smith, Where have you been? He says, what do you mean? He goes, well, you've never come to any of the meals. You've never come to dinner. You've never come to breakfast. I've never seen you at any of the meals. And he goes, well, I didn't have enough money for the meals. And the steward looked at him and said, Mr. Smith, the meals came with the package. They came with the ticket. Listen, God's got so much for you. They came with the ticket. And yet people go through life saying, oh, well, I, I, you know, I, I, have and, and I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do this, you know, ration this, and, and I can only have this much. And God's got an abundance for you, but believers are receivers. And so I got to looking at that word take, and I found some things over in Psalm 116, verse 13, it talks about t- we take the cup of salvation. Isn't that wonderful? Ecclesiastes is, talks about the good man who takes his portion and rejoices. In Matthew, those are just Old Testament things. Now, you could do an exhaustive study along this line, Old and New Testament, if you wanted to. But over in Matthew, um, in Matthew 6.25, let's take a look there real quick. It tells us one of the things not to take. Matthew 6.25 And it's amazing here that in just a few verses, this, this whole concept is here like three or four times. Matthew 25 it says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought. Why? Because God's got you covered he's got you. The benefits are already there. It says, no, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spend. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more, oh, and there's a good sermon for you, much more, clothe you, O, O ye of little faith. Therefore, take no thought saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, take. Therefore, no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day, day is the evil thereof. Listen. There are things we need to take, and there are things we don't need to take. And the Bible will clearly tell you what not to take. Take his promises. Take his benefits. Take his blessings. Take his provision. But don't take what the enemy brings you. You know, we talked about a few weeks ago about choices. And we're presented with choices every single day of the things, whether you're going to take this, whether you're going to take this. We talked about that life and death. Or are you going to take the things that, that, that are, that are death-inspired, or are you going to take the things that are life-giving? Which one are you going to take? But you, it's up to you. So much of it is, is up to us. God's provision is there. We just have to, we just have to take take them in. You know, Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 talks about taking my yoke. You know, Jesus says, come be partners with me. Take your place. Take your place in the life that is mine. Take your place with me. Come join yourself with me. Um you know, over in Ephesians, 13, six, six, Ephesians 6, verse 13, I like this so much. It says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Take the whole armor of God. And then it begins to list them. You know what? This is a picture of the well-dressed Christian. Dressed for success when you take the whole armor of God and put it on. You know, it, it implies that they're here because it says in uh, verse 16, take the shield of faith, and in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. But it could also mean take, take the, the truth that is girt gird around your, your, your loins and take the breastplate of ra- righteousness and take the preparation of the gospel of peace that your feet are shod with. You have to take all those things and put them on. And it'll stand you in good stead all the days of your life. It'll cover every territory. You know, there's there's so many things that, that are on the positive side of taking. But like I said, there's some negatives, too, that you don't want to take. Uh, I, I'm reminded of a, of a lady who, um, f- for her entire Christian life, was tormented by the devil. Tormented that she wasn't pleasing God, that somehow she wasn't measuring up that she was always making the wrong decisions, that every decision she made was was just not God's will. Why? She never put on the breastplate of righteousness. See, when you don't take the things that God tells you to take and you don't put on the things he tells you to put on, then you're likely to fall prey to taking the wrong thing. And she did. For her entire life, she never felt like she measured up. But I'm telling you what, there's so many places in the Word that we can go to, where we can see where God has, 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 has made provision for us. Um, you find in the New Testament, 25 times at least, it's not exhaustive, but I counted at least 25, times where it says to take heed to something. Oh my goodness, if believers today would just take heed to some things says to talk about taking heed to yourselves and to taking heed to this thing or that thing. Go look it up. It's amazing what things he tells you to take. That means be cautious. That means be, be aware of the things that are coming your way. To take heed means to pay attention. To pay attention before you make another move on an area before you believe something that's not right, before you take on something that you shouldn't be taking, take heed to yourselves. In other places, it says to lay hold on some, to take hold on some things. In fact, in 1 Timothy 6, it says lay hold, which is basically saying take hold of eternal life. And so there's, there's so much in that, and yet I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell you some things where the word says that we receive certain things. It tells us in Romans 5.11 that we receive atonement. We need to receive atonement. Receive the the gift that God has given to us in Jesus and his sacrifice. He's made a once and for all atonement for sins. He took that on himself. And he said, now, here you go. Here you go. I've, I've done this for you. In Acts 10, 30, 43, it talks about receiving remission of sins. I know some of these sound redundant, you know, but you know, he wants us to get a clear picture of what we need to receive. And in um, Acts 26, 18, talks about forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. In Romans 5:17, it talks about receiving the abundance of grace. Oh my goodness. There's so much for us. There's an abundance. His grace never runs out, never runs dry. You can't tap God out. His grace is so abundant. His mercy is so abundant. There's grace for every area of our lives, every situation, every place that we find ourselves that look hard. It's, there's grace for it. There's an ab- Receive His grace. Receive His grace. You know, we, we, uh, when the Sunday's pastor was in, in Africa, we talked about grace and and how grace is something that makes life easier. That it's the sliders for our life, what jobs look hard, you use the sliders of grace, and suddenly you can move mountains. You know, you can do anything. Nothing is too hard anymore. Hallelujah. In uh, Colossians 3.24, it says we should receive the reward There are rewards, rewards in our believing. There are rewards for us. Hallelujah. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.5 says that we receive edifying. Well, thank goodness. You know what? Edifying is what? Encouraging. And unfortunately, some people don't want to be encouraged. You can't be encouraged if you don't receive Encouraging. How many times have you, have you tried to encourage somebody and they just kind of went, well, okay, whatever. They didn't want to receive the encouragement you were trying to give them. You know, you, if you're just going to be miserable, you know, just say, don't waste your time trying to encourage me. Just don't waste your time. I'm not going to receive it. I don't want, I don't want to be encouraged. Just be, just be up on that. Because honestly, sometimes we do waste our breath on people. So figure it out quickly. Don't waste your time with somebody who's determined to not be encouraged or edified. If they don't want to be built up with the Word, that's their choice. And just go on your merry way. But we're told to receive edifying. It tells us in Hebrews 11. Let's go over there. You're close by. Hebrews 11. Let's go verse uh These are talking about, this is the the hall of fame of faith. Verse 13 says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. They didn't have the opportunity to receive what you and I receive. But they saw them. They had, they had a promise. They had a promise coming to that, that. the generations that would come after them. There would be a Savior. There would be a Deliverer. There would be one who would come and, and live in them. They didn't even understand what that meant. But they died because they were persuaded. They weren't in a position to receive them because Jesus hadn't come yet. You and I are in a position to receive them. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 17 By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises. What promises? The promise that God had said to him that he'd make him the father of many nations. Through Isaac. Through Isaac. Now, when you stop and you think about that, that is one huge promise. Abraham's one man. He's old. His wife is old. And he has one son that God wants to use. And now God is saying, sacrifice that child. Ah, but Abraham, he offered up Isaac, was willing to offer him up because he had received the promises and offered that child up. He, said, he thought to himself, that's mine. I take it. I take it. I take it. God himself told me, that this child, this Isaac, is the son of promise. And I believe him to the extent that I will take his life knowing that God can raise him up. Have you and I ever been in that spot where we had to be so determined that we had received something that God had promised us that we would do whatever, even though it seemed like it was the total opposite of what we should be doing. But we've received the promise. Just like Abraham. We'll get the same results that Abraham got. Amen. according Obviously according to the promises God has made to you. God didn't, Thank God he didn't tell me I was going to be the mother of many nations. No. Hallelujah. But uh, whatever God spoke to you. That's, that's his promise to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And then in verse 33. It's talking about all these different people. And, and you can read down through there. But in verse 33, it comes, it says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises. Wouldn't you like to have your name written in the Hall of Fame in heaven? This isn't the only Hall of Fame of faith. I believe there's a, there's a place in heaven where there are, there, are, there are memorials to people who have trusted and believed God. Received his promises, acted on them, and and they're there. They're there. Their names are written there. There are accolades waiting for them. There are rewards waiting for them, because it's not just the names that are written on the pages of this book, but I believe there are pages where God has written the names of many people who have trusted Him, taken Him at His word, received the promises and walked out the plan for their lives that God intended for them to walk out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then it says, we have received adoption in Galatians 4, 5. Thank God we have received adoption through Jesus. Hallelujah. In Colossians 3, 24, it talks about the fact that we have received inheritance. Aren't you glad that you've received an inheritance? So we go back and we look at all these once we get through. I want you to go back and look. Have I really received them yet? I know about them. I've read about them. I've heard about them. But have I received really fully what has been given to me in that inheritance? So much that Jesus has given us through him that we've become recipients of. Because he was the son of God. He now lives in us. We're one with him. He's one with us. We are in him, in Christ fully and completely. Everything that belongs to him belongs to us now. Hallelujah. It also says in 1 Peter 5, 4, that we've received a crown of glory. Ooh. You know, I know Pastor Nancy, she was like Miss Oklahoma. And she was first runner-up in the Miss America pageant. And when I go to her house, there's a place she has where she's got her crown from when she was Miss Oklahoma. And it's a beautiful little little crown. And I'm thinking, as pretty as that is, ooh, the crown of glory that's been laid up for me is something that is beyond description. Something that you cannot even imagine how gorgeous, how priceless how magnificent is what God's got waiting to put on your head—a crown of glory. Ooh, I like bling. I think God's gonna—he's gonna, gonna just—he's gonna make me really happy <laughs> when I get there. I'm gonna be bl- one blinged-out girl. <laughs> uh, Acts 1.8. Oh, come on, folks! We, you already know what this says. Acts 1, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea. You ever feel weak, like you just can't make it, just can't go on? I can't do this anymore. Well, here it says that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive power. You receive power. Power is at work in you receive that power and let it come out let it do its job let it work its work in you let the world see the power that is manifested in you because the holy ghost is on the inside of you be a receiver of what he's poured out for you second corinthians 4 1 says we have received mercy oh thank you jesus we receive mercy I'm telling you what, there's not many a day goes by that I don't really need to receive mercy. You ever been there? Anybody besides me been there? I need some mercy, Lord. Thank God it's there for me. I can take that mercy. Come boldly to the throne where you can obtain mercy and receive, well, was it obtain grace and receive mercy. Let me tell you, the mercy's there. It's there, hallelujah, hallelujah. When I flub up, you know, there's just so many times I just say, Lord, help me. Just be merciful to me. I am, I just, you know, I've just made such a boo-boo here. I've just made such a mess of something. Or, or I've, just, I've just made a wrong choice. I've made a wrong decision. I, I've done some, but your mercy, Father, is there. You know, and I just thank you that it's there for me. You know, we we don't often, you know, think about his mercy, you know, maybe in the light that we ought to. But just receive it. Just receive it. Don't beat yourself up. Just go on. When you made a mistake, just just acknowledge it and say, Father, I just thank you for your mercy. And just, just go on with life. Forget about it. Just let it slide off. And when the enemy comes at you and tries to remind you of something that you've done, something that you've made a mess of, you just say, no, I obtained mercy. Mercy's mine. I don't have to even think about that again. You know, sometimes, you know, I think sometimes we have to go back and if the enemy gets on your shoulder with things out of your past, you have to remind him that mercy, mercy took care of all of that, that God took in his mercy he took all of that. He took all of my sins. He took all my transgressions. He took all my failures. He took all my mistakes, all my bad choices, my bad decisions, and three threw them into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the East is from the West, devil, just, you know, go peddle your nonsense somewhere else. Mercy has come into my life. I know I didn't deserve it. In and of myself, you and I don't, we don't deserve any mercy. But the mercy of of God is extended to us because of his grace and because of what Jesus has done for us. So receive God's mercy. Don't find yourself in a place where you're constantly be, being just bullied by the enemy because of something that you did wrong. You say, no, God's mercy is bigger than that. I mean, can you imagine? I don't think any of you have, are guilty of mass murder now, are you? No. No. Not unless it's just a bunch of roaches, you know, love bugs, you know that kind of stuff, but Paul, when he was Saul, was guilty of mass murder. Do you not think that somewhere along the line that the enemy came back to try to say, "Look what you did, look at all those innocent people you killed how could you how could you count yourself as as somebody who's going to preach the gospel. Who do you think you are? Well, number one, he knew that he was a new creature in Christ. But he also knew that the mercy of God is what called him when he was on the road to Damascus and arrested him, got his attention, and changed his destiny. Mercy reached down to him. Mercy reaches into every part of our lives if we will let it. Mercy we must receive that mercy, and then there's the word. We have to receive the word. You think? Well, that we all know that. Yeah, but do we do it? Do we do it? Go with me to Acts seventeen eleven. You're not too far off. Acts seventeen eleven. There, those. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. Uh, I've got re- written in here this all readiness of mind is they had an inclination of mind and eagerness. And they searched the scripture. Listen, we have to receive the Word, and the way you receive the Word with, with, is with an eagerness. Some people hear the Word, but they don't receive the Word. Well, how do you know that? Because they don't live it. Because it makes no impact in their lives. Listen, when you receive the Word, it will make a difference in your life. There will be a change. When you receive the Word, it will change how you think, how you act, how you talk, it will, it will culminate in the blessings of God coming in your life when you receive the Word. But you know what? There's a lot of people who don't receive the Word. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians 1, 1.6. 1 Thessalonians 1, 1.6. The, these are the people... In Thessalonica, that he was talking to, and he said, You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now, there's a good example of how to do it. You think, Well, you just don't know what's going on in my life, you just don't know how these people are giving me such a hard time, you don't know what a jo- terrible time I'm having on my job, you don't know what a terrible time I'm having in school, you don't know. Listen. It says here that these people in Thessalonica, having received the word in much affliction, with joy in the Holy Ghost, they were a place in their lives of much affliction, but they were joyful in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they had received the word. When you receive the word, you won't go around with a frown on your face. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. You have to receive that word, and when you receive that word, it becomes real. Receiving it means it becomes real. You know, you, you look around sometimes, and I know people have an idea, well, I, I see so-and-so, you know, and, and you know, they've always got a smile on their face. I guess they don't have any problems in life. How do you know? The times when they're the most joyful is probably the times when they're having the most, most things that they're having to stand against. That's the times when the devil's coming at them the hardest. It's when they're rejoicing the most. We should have a joy barometer, you know, around here. You know, we we ought to always be joyful. But I'm telling you what: when the enemy comes at us, we ought to kick it up a notch. You know, that's called receiving the word, because the word says we have joy. Uh, that's First Thessalonians two thirteen. It says Paul's writing. He says, "For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard." You received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually also in you works that believe. Hmm. When you received the word of God, you heard it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. You know, it's not just words. It's not just just a bunch of words on a piece of paper, or that somebody's speaking. It is the word of God. Amen. It is the word of God. Amen. And you know, sometimes you know people will go, "Oh, no, I don't believe that." Well, then fine, don't believe it. Then you won't benefit from it. Right. If you think that you that, you know, well, that just that's what you say. No. Um, if I, can, if I can back it up with Scripture, it's what God says. Amen. And so whether we like it, whether it f- and really I don't like to word, use the word like so much as if it bothers our flesh, then we shouldn't chalk it up as nonsense. We shouldn't talk, chalk it up as just, oh, that's just so-and-so's opinion. No, if it's in the Bible, it's the Word of God, regardless of how my flesh reacts to it. And if my flesh is allowed to react the way it wants, then I have not received that word. But it's up to us to receive it. What does that mean again? It means to take it and to put it in action in our lives. Uh, you know, people, People again, I'll go back to this. That People will say, well, I, you know, that's just too much for me to, For me to do, I I can't do that. Yeah, you can. You know what? You when you received the Holy Ghost, when you received Jesus, it was the same faith. But you received it. You received Jesus. You received the Holy Ghost. The same way you receive the answers that you need, the same way you receive what you what you're believing God for, the same way you receive your healing, you receive it. You take just like you know the microphone. You have to take it. It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. Receiving is active. Nobody's going to come in and and put it on you, and not going to make it easy for you. Just lay it out, you know, for you on a on a tray, and say, "Here you go; it's yours." You still have to take it. We try to make it as easy as possible for you to understand it, but you still have to receive it. You know, and one of the things that I I just want to make make sure you know is, whatever you hear somebody say, make sure that it's what the Word says and then receive it. It's amazing how many people go to some meeting somewhere or listen to somebody online and they hear them say something, oh, yeah, 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 and they'll receive something that is not what the Word said. And it'll eventually get them in trouble. You know, God will, will take something and he will, he will take a scripture and he will tailor that scripture to your life. But just because he tailors it in a certain way to your life doesn't mean he tailors it that way to everybody's life. Do you, want to, you know what I'm saying? The word works for everybody, but there are, there are places where God will use a scripture to give you direction. And when you receive the direction because of that scripture, that may not be the way he directs everybody. You know... um Say, for instance, corresponding actions when it comes to healing. Okay, what's my corresponding actions? God's talking to me. I receive that. I have to have corresponding actions. Well, well, then God begins to tell you what your corresponding action is. That doesn't mean everybody throws away their medicine. It doesn't mean you get up and, you know, you do this or that or the other. It means go back. And just make sure that you're hearing what God has told you. It lines up with the word. You're not doing anything just because you heard somebody else's testimony, because you heard what somebody else thinks about something. But you receive it as it is, the word of God, the word of truth. Hallelujah. Um, Matthew 21, 22 says, When you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Um we have accounts of this in Mark one forty one. Some examples here we can go back to. Uh, starting in verse 40, it says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If you will, you can make me clean. Now, some versions of that say, If you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, he was moved with compassion. He put put forth his hand, touched him, and said unto him, "I will be thou clean." And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. What this man needed to know was that Jesus was more than willing. He received that, and because he received that, faith came in his heart, and he was cleansed. Hallelujah! Go with me to Mark ten. Verses 46, blind Bartimaeus, you know the story. And they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples. And a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard it was Jesus, he began to cry out. Can you imagine he, when he heard it was Jesus? People had been talking about Jesus. And he heard the name Jesus. Ah, you know, I can, I can, I can have, I can, I can get him to help me. He began to cry out and say, "Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me!" And many charged him, saying, "He should hold his peace." But he cried the the more, "Thou son of David, have mercy on me!" And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man to him and said, "Be of good comfort; he calls you." And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus, and Jesus said, What will you that I do for you? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. You know, some people don't know what it is they want. Seems obvious to everybody what they ought to be wanting, but it's not necessarily what, what they want. Jesus wanted him to be sure. What is it you want? You want, uh, just a big, you want me to just give you a bunch of money so you can go on your way? What is it you want? But he knew what he wanted. He said that I might receive my sight. He had already made up his mind. Somewhere in there he had already received because he threw away his blind man's coat. That thing that made him stand out in the crowd so the people knew he was blind and they made accommodations for him and made room for him you know, and, and helped him, he threw that away. And he went to Jesus saying that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. You know, he really had to make another decision right here to complete what he had started. Jesus said, go thy way. Your faith has made you whole. And then immediately he had his sight. He received his sight. He knew what he wanted. He needed the word spoken. He received Jesus' word. He received his sight and went on his way. You know... It's as easy as that. Luke 8, the woman with the issue of blood, she came through the crowd, just kept saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And when she got there, she got exactly what she asked for. She touched the hem of his garment, and virtue flowed out of him, and she was made whole. She received. She had her faith set, and she received her her healing. And yet you go over to to John 1. It said, many received him not, but as many as receive him, believe on his name. You have to receive. But believers are receivers. That is who you are. That is what you are. Matthew 13, you know, verse 58, it talks about that. None of them received any any healing because of their unbelief. Born again, spirit-filled Christians fail to receive a lot of times because of their unbelief. They're just not convinced, not convinced of what the Word said. They're not ready to receive, to latch hold of it and receive, to take it, to seize it, to take it as their very own. It belongs to me. It's mine. But you know what? That's not you, now is it? Believers are receivers. That's who I am. I am a receiver. Now, let me just, it occurred to me that there, there's one area that I want to tell you about when it comes to receiving, that some of you may not be very good at. When you're, when you're believing God for something, and I, I especially want to make known that this is sometimes in the area of financial blessing. I was raised in a household that taught a huge work ethic, that, you know, you work for everything you have. You, you go out, you put your hands to, to something, let God prosper it. You, you work for what you get. You don't take handouts. You don't take charity. That's how I was raised. So when it comes to believing God for blessings, you have to learn to be a good receiver there. There's an area of receiving there that sometimes we we fail to be as diligent in as we should because when God blesses you, it has to come through the hands of somebody. It has to come through somebody's hand. If somebody chooses to let God use them to bless you, receive it. Receive it. You don't have to be concerned about, well, I don't want you to think I'm I'm this or I'm that. I I I I that God does you have to you have to learn to receive so that God can continue the blessing cycle. Some of us are great givers, but we're bad receivers. Just say, thank you. There are times I'm a bad receiver. It's like, no, 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 I'm on the giving end. I'm on the giving end. Well, to keep on the giving end, I have to to be on the receiving end too. There's the cycle. You give, you receive, you give, you receive, you give, you receive, you give, you receive. So if that's talking, if I'm talking to you, I want you to learn to be a good receiver. If somebody comes and plops a $100 bill in your hand, go, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and thank you. You be grateful to God first. You be grateful to that person. Show your appreciation to that person for letting God use them second. You never miss an opportunity to say thank you to the person that God chose to bless you. Never. But see, God wants to put something in your hand. You have to take it. You have to be you have to receive it. There's so much that God wants to put in our hands, but you have to reach out and take it. You have to reach out and take. Make it easy for God to get it to you by just meeting him with open arms and say I'll take everything you got, Lord. I'm a taker. I'm a taker. This is, you know, we have there's this old saying that takers never give and givers never take. Well, you know, that's a natural thing. But let me tell you, Givers are receivers, and receivers are givers. You can call it a taker if you want, but I'll take everything God's got. I'll take everything He's got, everything He's got, and He's got a bunch. He's got much more than you and I think. You know, what, what's so interesting to me sometimes is, is I have I've seen. People are easy to receive something. Going back to this being a good receiver of these blessing is it's easier for them to receive something if they don't know who it came from. That's fine. Be grateful. But if you do know, if somebody face-to-face blesses you with something, don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Don't be reluctant to take what they're giving. Because they're giving it because God told them to give it. This is God using their hands to bless you. Be a good receiver. Take it. Say, I believe that's mine. I believe, I believe God sent you my way. I believe God chose to use you to bless me. In return, he will bless you. And so, remember, believers are receivers. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you going to be a good receiver? Great, I expect you to receive a lot. God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. He wants to put more into your life and more into your finances and more into your body and more into your home, more into your bank accounts, more into every part of your life than what you can possibly imagine. You be ready, willing, and open to receive everything he sends your way. And sometimes what he's trying to get your way is, is going to depend on whether you receive parts of the Word that you like and parts of the Word you don't particularly like, flesh-wise I'm talking. But you be willing to receive it as it is, the Word of God. And I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It'll make all the difference in the world into what He can do for you and do in you.